welcome back to another episode of My Boyfriend's Record Collection. My name's Amanda. I'm Jason. And this is the podcast where we talk about relationships, music, and our relationship with music. Each and every week we pick a random album from My Boyfriend's Record Collection and discuss the album, the vinyl, the critical reception, and how it makes us feel. What album are we talking about today, Jason? Today we are talking about Option Paralysis by the Dillinger Escape Plan. That's right. This episode goes out exclusively to people that keep on telling us that they truly listen to Mm -hmm. and enjoy everything and specifically our buddy hunter whose favorite band is the dillinger escape plan i was about to uh, (laughs) i thought you were about to try and dunk on hunter and i was like wait he loves the dillinger no no, seriously like this is is gonna be the one that i like obnoxiously send him and be like so if you haven't listened to the podcast yet we have an episode specifically for you so hi hunter if you're listening (laughs) and hopefully because i tweaked uh i tweaked some settings in obs hopefully this one sounds better than they usually do. It's going to be kind of funny, though, because a lot of people are not going to be able to tell because of how noisy this album intentionally is. Right. Well, that, that's the thing. That's <laughs> part of why I wanted to uh, make sure I did that before we recorded this album in particular, because mm-hmm. with the compression and stuff, this is going to be like indiscernible. Yeah. Like It's yeah. just going to be straight like static almost. So, uh, uh, you know, hopefully we get that worked out. If not, I yeah. uh, hope you all like inconceivable noise metal i don't know inconceivable (laughs) isn't the word i was looking for i keep using that word and i'm not sure i know what it means right but um, but anyway before we get into the album what do we got going on in the my boyfriend's news corner babe all right so uh not a lot (laughs) there isn't a lot of like actual news going on um like it's it's like the biggest the biggest thing that happened this week were like the fucking guitar player from rivers of nil uh liking some like weird right-wing tweets and by really weird right-wing tweets uh it's like matt walsh stuff yeah um, it's it's as gross as you and then (laughs) and then there's all there's whatever the fuck is happening with slipknot right now (laughs) what is happening with slipknot couldn't tell you so uh they announced that like craig jones their sampler slash keyboard player was leaving the band uh, with just like a black square, is like Craig Jones is no longer in Slipknot. Right. But then they very quickly deleted that, and then they posted another, and then they just like posted a picture that was someone in like a new mysterious mask. You can't really tell what's going on. Right. Uh, and then they released like an EP sort of that's mostly just the song Adderall and a couple of different like. Like, I think there's a clean version, there's a remix, you know, like that type of stuff. There's the version without the intro, like, whatever. Uh, So my, right now, I think what's going on is Craig Jones is still in Slipknot. But if you don't know, Slipknot, uh, Craig Jones is the one with the needle head. He's the yeah. pin, he's the one that looks like Pinhead. He's got all the nails sticking out. Yeah, of his he's head. he's supposed to be like a voodoo doll. Yeah. So and he's had the same mask basically the entire time. Yeah, he's Slipknot's he's been really been the only consistent one. I yeah. feel like him and like Mick. Yeah. Yeah, the guitar player Mick and um. Yeah, Mick doesn't really change as much that no. either. No. Mm. but anyway, anyway, I'm pretty sure that they're doing a thing where like. Craig Jones finally changed his mask and they're pretending it's a different guy. Because, like, it's kind of like the Daft Punk thing. It's like, it goes back to the Dread Pirate Roberts, right? You know, like... How would how would we know if it's been the same two right. guys in Daft Punk or That's not? That's true. Craig Jones is also the most like secretive. 
yeah member of slipknot like he's the one he doesn't do interviews he uh like i don't think i've ever seen him without his mask on do you think like he's he, secretly like ned flanders like, yeah. in his real life he just has like a cute little house right. in the suburbs and like he, goes to all the soccer games mm-hmm. and he, he doesn't he doesn't have like the uh like a million side projects like yeah. everyone else in slipknot does and in like uh slipknot i remember when i was young what, what is this would have been like 2009 maybe mm-hmm. when Slipknot released the vermilion dvd one of the big things about that was uh if you were able to find it because they had their menu the dvd menu set up was all like weird right and like it, it was like finding each individual thing on the dvd it was like looking for easter eggs and um they had unmasked interviews with each member of Slipknot. That uh-huh. was the big thing on that oh, on that DVD because gotcha. this is you know this is uh, uh, volume three days. Mm-hmm. You know they still weren't really taking their masks off a lot outside of like Corey, you know Corey doing the Stone Sour thing with uh, Jim Root and. Um, uh, uh, Joey Jordison because mm-hmm. he was in Murder Dolls. That's so, right. So other than R. that, Joey, like other than those three, you know, like up up until this point, you hadn't really seen any of the members without their masks. And um, Craig Jones's interview was shot like Dutch angle, like oh my god, top uh, like like kind of like like the cameras angled upwards at him oh so he's god. like in the shadow you can't really see him oh my god and the entire like video is just the interviewer asking questions and him not responding at all <laughs> i love that no that's so great like so craig that, owens and the you're not gonna be listening but like yeah. i admire that so much because right. like i think that would have to be <gasps> craig owens is hannah montana craig jones craig jones yeah, craig owens is the guy from uh Seosin. okay no Cra- Chiodos. Chiodos. <laughs> whatever <laughs> <laughs> Craig Jones is Hannah Montana. Yeah, you know probably. why? Because he's got the best. <laughs> of <those worlds laughs> because we've never we've never seen him and Miley Cyrus in the same place. I mean, we <laughs> haven't. Have we? No. no I don't think so. <laughs> um, but anyway, it's, it's weird because like. You know, that's exactly like Billie Eilish being super into Knocked Loose. Yeah. And they were on the same stage at the same time because yeah. she was backstage at Coachella. Right. While they were playing, which was adorable and hilarious. But anyway, getting I mean, back to the news yeah, quarter. I mean, there's a there's a there's a long documented history. There's like that very, very old uh, Jimmy Kimmel mm-hmm. interview with Demi Lovato. Yeah. Where she asks him about or she asks her about metal and um uh they're like uh the the bands they shout out are like Maylene and the Sons of Disaster, uh, Demu Burger, and um, there was another one. I'm, I'm oh the Black Dahlia Murder. Yeah, and I was like oh shit. But, <laughs> so like there is there is as as much as like people love to complain when they see like Kim Kardashian wearing an Iron Maiden shirt. Like there are a lot of very big metalheads in the pop world that you probably wouldn't. Well, wouldn't it, it goes all the way back to the queen of pop music, Cher. Yeah. Um, her favorite band in like 2004 in an interview that I like I'd saved from a magazine I was like secretly obsessed mm-hmm. with her because like we weren't really listening to like secular music yeah. and she said her favorite band was Korn oh, and yeah. I just remember thinking that was so cool yeah <laughs> like, isn't there a story of like I think Chaz invited like the Limp Biscuit dudes yeah over to the yeah. house and it was like really awkward yeah but, um, <laughs> but no, no no I wanted to talk about this random like clip 
It's like some podcaster. Yeah, I don't know who this woman is. Uh, talking about uh, the new Janelle Monet album slash rollout cycle. Uh, I'll just go ahead and play the clip real quick, and then we'll talk about it. They, they get you to put your ass in your titties, you know, all out, all over the place, see? It didn't used to be that way. See, being the sexy, cute bit. tomboy used to be the way. And then Biggie Smalls came in with Jessica Rabbit, Lil' Kim. What I find interesting is that for the past 25 years, everybody's been trying to be Lil' Kim, and all Lil' Kim was a figment of Biggie's imagination. He figured all men probably get off on the same shit that I do. We can make a lot of money. And now everybody wants to be this archetype. It wasn't until Little Kim that sex played a factor in whether or not a woman got signed. I okay. I disagree. I I don't. I think that has been a problem. <laughs> well, so I I've got there, there's like a lot of there's a laundry in, list incorrect things to talk about here. So first of all, um. The little Kim comparison is really weird because Janelle Monet isn't a rapper. No, like, like at like, all. Like, like, and I'm, I'm like, what about Latoya Jackson? Right. Like, like I wouldn't say. I wouldn't say. I wouldn't say that Janelle Monet is like trying to be little Kim. Like yeah. Janelle Monet is more of a pop singer, and like using sex appeal in in pop music has been a thing since pop music. Yeah. Like like like. like Elvis with his fucking hip thrust. Yeah. The, the Beatles talk a lot about right. sex. And I think and what bothers me the most about this is Lana Del Rey is going to say this yeah. in like three weeks, like any day now. This is my um, useless prediction of the episode. I'm right. I know right. it'll happen. She's going to bitch and moan about how Janelle Monet got her titties out. And that's why her right. album did better because Lana cannot stand. She cannot be quiet. If any woman of color right. is using her sexuality in any of her work right. anywhere, Lana's going to complain about it. Yeah. And uh, like, I think there is, uh an interesting point to be made about how like there are a lot more female rappers now but it does seem to be like you kind of have to be like a sex symbol on top of being yeah because like like i kind of noticed that with um ice spice Mm -hmm. like like i feel like i never hear people talk about ice spice rapping it's always about how hot she is yeah and that that was the thing with megan for a while too megan Megan, stallion doja Doja Cat. cat uh cardi b yeah Car- see cardi b was a reality show star and then a sh- or was a stripper and then a reality show star yeah so i guess that like that's and, a completely different ladder right, she went up. right but but it, but it isn't it's like there are you know there are still these like pretty tomboyish rappers out mm-hmm. there you know you've got you've got your little sims you've got your uh, princess nokia's you've got your uh, uh tiara wax yeah going stuff. over to like nerdcore you've got samus right stuff like that but like those aren't mainstream no you know what i mean you're not getting any type of mainstream popularity off that which again i don't think necessarily has much to do with rap as much as it does pop yeah i think it's more um it speaks to american culture at large yeah. like that's the that's the other issue i have with um the person that's speaking in the mm-hmm. video clip is like they attributed it all specifically to biggie smalls and yeah, i just i weird. think that's unfair that's very weird like 
because like we have this whole culture of commodifying female bodies and especially commodifying like the bodies of black and indigenous women in this right. country. I think that should have been the point yeah. more so. But like, I don't really think that th- that even stands with Janelle because first of all, her work has always been sexual. We went yeah, on like that's... a five hour deep dive the other day where we just watched Janelle Monet right. videos and yeah. played spot Tessa Thompson. So like going back to like work Janelle was putting out in like 2012, I think was the earliest one we watched or yeah. For uh, yoga. Yeah. Yeah. Yoga is literally oh, like, <laughs> you doing okay, buddy? Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, that that was the other thing. Like, you know, uh, talking about Janelle Monet specifically. Like, so if you're out of the loop here, uh, Janelle Monet recently put out an album called The Age of Pleasure. Uh, I'm going to do a, just a very quick history thing for you. Janelle Monet is a, uh, a, a, like a soul R&B pop singer who uh, started out like their career was very like their aesthetic was like wearing tuxes mm-hmm. and like full suits, you know, and all that. Always being black tie. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. You know, black and white. That's always been my camo is, is a Janelle Monet line. Um, and so she, her, her like, aesthetic was kind of centered around this mm-hmm. uh you know she was always criticized as looking too mannish you right know? or too modest right which exactly. was kind of like it's kind of interesting she was talked about reclaiming her sexuality through that right like it was never about like oh i'm more covered than the other girls she was like right. this is my power this is my yeah. aste- but like and, yoga yeah and if you listen to the, like <laughs> her lyrics are always have always been like pretty sexual mm-hmm. you know uh, Arc Android, you know, Electric Lady had a lot of like had the song Queen on it, right. which is like literally about having sex with women. And, yeah. and, you know, uh, and the, again, Tessa Thompson is in a lot of these right. videos, and they've been romantically on off. I don't know yeah. what their relationship is. I'm happy for both of them, whatever and, it is. And though, then Dirty Computer, you know, you had songs like uh, 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 Make Me Feel mm-hmm. and Pink. Which is just a song about vaginas. Yep, and, and how great they are. Yeah, and and so like on this new album, The Age of Pleasure, there's a lot of promotional material where like like on on here the on this video they have pulled up the uh, her cover of Rolling Stone where she's topless and she's like covering herself with her hands. Um, she was like flashing people at a concert. Uh, uh, she's topless on the like inside of her album. Yeah, it's literally just you open it up and there's a titty on each side of right. the album. Yeah, and then the um lead single off this album, "Lipstick Lover," mm-hmm. has a very very steamy yeah. music video. Um, yeah, it's uh implied that this is a precursor to an orgy. <laughs> yeah, so it's like a lot of people are trying to say that like oh they got to Janelle Monet like. She's playing the industry game yeah. and, and like using her sexuality and and like this. Uh, a lot of people are saying like this isn't really her. This isn't her doing this. And, yeah, but like the whole time, it's all about her enjoying yeah. her body and her pleasure. It's not the standard kind of spoon fed that I think this person is like railing against. And I, right. you know where it's like, oh, I'm hypersexual, but like I'm so beautiful and I don't know it. And like hit yeah. me, baby, one more time. You know. That's the standard, like, kind of what I think of when I think of, like, industrialized sexualization of women in right. music. It, it's very weird to try and do this with Janelle Monae specifically. Yeah. Because, because, like, you know, not not only that, she's, like, 
what is she like 40 at this point like how old is janelle monet yeah like you know, she, she she's she's a whole ass adult with a like pretty long career before this yeah so this isn't you know, I, like I, I, I find I find it hard to believe that she's being like manipulated. Exactly, into, um, into because being she, sexual. she does look very young. Like visually looking at her, I would say she's twenty four. I know she's not, especially because I just googled it. She is thirty seven this okay, year. Okay. Um, I think her her birthday is in December. Gotcha. So yeah, so she'll be thirty eight at the end of the year. I mean, but like, oh my God, she is Janelle is just one of the most beautiful women alive yeah. to me, and I I don't think many people are coming to kill me on this particular yeah. hill. And Janelle. Someone strikes me as someone who, like, if it's not what she wants to do, she's just not going to do it. Exactly. She strikes me as that type of person because it's like she's in like movies and shit now. Yeah. So, so like, if oh, if, she was amazing in Glass yeah. Onion. She fucking ate. It was incredible. <laughs> so, like, if 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 she was having issues with the music industry, I feel like she would just stop. Like, yeah, exactly. Like she would pull a Rihanna and just stop making music altogether. Exactly. Well, yeah, because Rihanna was not having fun making music. Right. Um, and it's kind of funny that like so many of these people that are making this type of video content, kind of like slamming Janelle for being hypersexual, they want Rihanna to come back and right. do the same thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? And like Rihanna doesn't want to, which is why Rihanna hasn't hasn't. Right. I don't know if I've ever said Rihanna more times in a row in my life. I don't know. It's just very funny, especially <laughs> considering like. Specifically on Dirty Computer, there are so many, like, lyrics about uh, owning her sexuality. And, you know, uh, there's that one line about, like, Hotep's trying to tell me to cover up my areolas. (laughs) It's a good line. Yeah. She, like... She has a few moments where lyrically she's more of a rapper, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, like, she, again, the comparison, the only person I feel like we can compare Janelle Monet to truly is Prince. Yeah. And I felt that way since um, before you told me that Prince was actually, like, one of her mentors. Right, and yeah, like, she worked very closely with Yeah, Prince. like, it's very much like the, a Jedi-Padawan relationship right. situation. And, like, I mean... Prince, all of his life, was constantly slammed for being too sexual, for being too femme, for being too soft, Mm -hmm. for being too mass, for being too everything. And I think we're just going to kind of keep seeing this with her career forever. Because, like, Prince literally up until the end of his life was criticized for being too sexual. And it's like, my guy, he's in a walker at home. What do you want? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But, uh, you know, it's, it's just funny to do this. Even now, even with Janelle Monae. You know, mm-hmm. but that's all I had. It's a lot of pearl clutching. That's yeah. all there is to it. Mm-hmm. So getting back to the album, what are our genre tags? All right. Oh, boy. For the genre tags, we have mathcore, alternative metal, and post-hardcore. What do those mean? <laughs> uh, so mathcore is basically hardcore, but with um, like uh, uh, uh like polyrhythms and and asymmetrical time signatures gotcha like it's 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 what if hardcore was jazz basically yeah that's what mathcore is gotcha and then uh what were the other ones alternative metal which is pretty self-explanatory yeah that's just that's like the kind of common like uh you know like tool Mm -hmm. and chevelle and uh deftones like yeah, all those bands are yeah. alternative metal and then post hardcore which is a more nebulous thing that i've never really tried to define before so i'm not entirely sure how to define post hardcore no i think the best way to define it is just it's kind of the next linear progression of yeah. hardcore 
the here it says uh emerged in the mid 1980s from hardcore punk it expanded on its aggression and dynamics through longer and more complex arrangements so it's prog core yeah it's prog core yeah <laughs> it's progressive hardcore um but yeah that's that's that uh this album was released march 23rd 2010 uh on uh, uh, Smasher Party Inc. in collaboration with Seasons of Mist record label. Nice. Uh, let's see. Who's in Dillinger Escape Plan? <clears throat> Members for Dillinger Escape Plan are on vocals, you have Greg Pachado. Uh, ben, My- ben Wyman does guitar, piano, sound design, programming, and backing vocals. And Ben Wyman also now runs a um, small animal rescue That's farm. That's true. Uh, I think his publicist took over his Instagram, though, because it seems to be all band promotion stuff lately and occasionally updates on Pierre the Goose. Anyway, carry on. Uh, Jeff Tuttle is on uh, guitars and backing vocals. Liam Wilson on bass and Billy Reimer on drums. Boy, is Billy working on this album. This is is the first album with Billy Reimer on drums, as a matter of fact. Uh, Do you have any history with the Dillinger Escape Plan and specifically this album no the yeah. first time i heard of dillinger escape plan was when i pulled hunter for um secret santa the first year we were together and um so we went up to horizon and it, it wasn't this album i think it was their um the album after this yeah um but yeah no and we listened to them in the car and i'm like wow and you're like yeah yeah it's crazy <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh but yeah no dillinger was like <clears throat> if you were growing up when I was and you were spending a lot of time on metal message boards like Dillinger and Between the Barry to me uh, were bands that were like just kind of inescapable I would say like I don't know where I first heard of Dillinger but it was probably on one of these message boards because like this album came out in 2010 uh, the album before it came out in 2007, Ironworks, and that was a huge album for them because that was when they started experimenting more with these like big catchy hooks and putting like the glitchy electronics and stuff in there. Um, and so like they were just kind of omnipresent on these like message boards, and I would hear the song "Farewell Mona Lisa" from time to time and thinking that was very cool. But like at the time. I couldn't get into Dillinger. Uh, their stuff was just too crazy for me. Right. Outside of like Farewell Mona Lisa or like Milk Lizard from Ireworks. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I wasn't I wasn't ready for I wasn't ready for that for that stuff yet. Yeah. You didn't have the ear for it yet. Right. And it's honestly, I think Dillinger is one of those bands that I like. I just like listen to so much uh, because I, like, knew that they were good. Right. And I just listened to them so much that I eventually, like, got the taste for it. I, like, it's an <laughs> it's acquired like taste. like coffee. Yeah, like, exactly. When you're in your early 20s, it starts off, like, an 80-20 ratio between the creamer yeah. and the coffee. I just kept listening to Dillinger until it until it clicked. Because, uh, <laughs> I, I like, I knew that Dillinger is, like, this very highly respected, like, innovative band. Right. You know? And 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 I can tell when I was, when I'm, like, listening to it, that, like, oh, this is, you know, very good. This is very intelligent music. You know, like I said up top, this is basically jazz, but mm-hmm. for metal. Um, 
But yeah, that's that's my history with Dillinger, I guess. Nice. And this album. I never I never had any of these records growing up. I bought them way later. Gotcha. <laughs> um is this yeah. like any kind of special release or anything or we just got the standard version of the vinyl oh i have the most standard version of the vinyl <laughs> it kind of bums me out it was bumming me out when we were looking at when we were trying to find the artwork right for the other night and uh uh i was looking at like the other versions <laughs> of the record but anyway let's just i guess we'll, well jump into some tracks absolutely here. um starting up with the track that you kind of heard yeah. first uh farewell mona lisa Wash it Real quick, I'm going to skip ahead so we get part of the second half of this song. go ahead and cut it off there this is legitimately one of the greatest opening tracks uh, of all time yeah, i would it, say it really like lays out the album pretty nicely too it's very front loaded yeah. with a lot of aggressive noise and very much like walls of like sound mm-hmm. um and boys is playing some notes yeah they are that, i apologize uh if i sound like a slide whistle at some point because uh, i'm having some kind of muscle spasm and uh, like my cheeks it's making my jaw go all wonky yeah. <laughs> anyway body horror aside i love this as an opening track it's very good Mm -hmm. um i love you know the the 
the crazy math core stuff at the beginning and then it all kind of falls away and you get this like like very uh uh you know big hook catchy hook and then when it kind of comes back in it just feels very cinematic yeah you know yeah. and and it's such a great outing for um uh greg pachado mm-hmm. as a vocalist definitely you know he is legitimately one of the greatest uh metal vocalists of all time well just the range yeah. on this boy it's like yeah. you know slaps greg upside the head this and, bad boy can fit so <laughs> many voices in him he fits so many <laughs> notes the the song dillinger in general always reminds me of um and granted uh, uh it reminds me of when i was talking to the guitarist from i wrestled a bear once back when i was like 16 and um i re- granted i wrestled a bear once is a band that is very inspired by dillinger escape plan they're very much in the same like genre as dillinger escape plan mm-hmm. i would say but i remember talking to the guitarist uh stephen bradley when i was 16 outside of a show and he said that um they played a show in like alabama or something and the guy there was some guy at the bar that was like you boy you boys don't even play guitar solos up there you're just playing notes <laughs> sir and that that stuck with me so much so when i listen to stuff like this i'm like oh wow he's really playing some notes right he really now. he's really playing some notes they're, they're, they are playing those notes <laughs> so um going back to farewell mona lisa oh, yeah. um the song in an interview with kerrang exclamation exclamation yes. point podcast uh, greg says uk uk metal magazine kerrang gotcha yeah Farewell Mona Lisa is an observation that right now we live in a cultural depression and a lot of the great ideas we've had from a cultural standpoint are in the past. Mm -hmm. It's a shame that looking backwards right now seems to be more thrilling than looking forwards. There's some lines in the song that reference people's unwillingness to accept growth and change and things like that. And I do think that's fair, especially um, in metal and hardcore, kind of like notoriously. A lot of folks in the metal fandom are also the folks in the Star Wars fandom that make me right. not want to be in the Star Wars yeah. fandom. You know, they're always like complaining about it's never as good as the original. I find a, with a lot of these metal bands, people that don't fully know what they're talking about when it comes to later albums will f- always tell me, oh, yeah, their first album was so right. good, but they never recaptured that magic again. Yeah. And I think it's just those nostalgia goggles. It you is. Know? Yeah. It's always it's always kind of a boring conversation to have, even though even though I do that a lot sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there are there are a lot of bands that I'm like, yeah, I only really like the first album or the second yeah. album, you know. But there's also just as many bands that I like the entire discographies, even you know, like Mastodon's a great example. Mm-hmm. You know, Mastodon is a band where you know. Uh, a lot of people only like those first three albums. Right. Yeah. You know? And then a lot of people only like the first two albums. And then some people only like the first album. Right. You know, you know it's, <laughs> it's kind of like the the layers of hell. Which right. one are you? Are you a first yeah. Mastodon album is the only good album guy? Because right. you're way down in that pit by yourself, brother. Yeah. There's like three of y'all down there and none of you like each other. It's funny. Dillinger gets a little bit of that because uh, Dillinger is a band that had a different vocalist. Right. That always uh, comes with yeah. a vocalist their, change. Their first album calculating infinity had a different vocalist um who was he quit the band i believe I, he's still on good terms with the band mm-hmm. uh he actually did the artwork for this album oh wow yeah the the former vocalist uh dimitri Minakis. 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 <laughs> but anyway 
Uh, he did the artwork for this album and Miss Machine, which was the first album with Greg Puchetto as the vocalist. Uh, but like he quit the band. They got Mike Patton from Faith No More and Mr. Oh. Bungle to like. Matt Patton gets around. Yeah, he does. He's in a billion bands. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, they got him to to do vocals like for the shows and then he they recorded like an ep with him but he was never going to be a member of the band right like it, it was very clear even when they recorded that ep it was released as dillinger escape plan with mike Patton. yeah it wasn't like you know people it wasn't they weren't trying to position him as the new singer of dillinger but then they got greg pachado yeah who like honestly sounds a lot like mike Patton. yeah like they they really found someone they really found a new mike Patton. Yeah. For, for a new generation. Oh, my God. They traded old Mike Patton in for the younger model. <gasps> yeah. And now, and now Greg Pachetto, he's got a bunch of solo work, which is fine. <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's okay. Not, it's all right. But, like, it's really funny that, like, I listened to Greg's solo album, and one of my first thoughts was, was like, oh, this kind of, you know, this kind of just sounds like Alice in Chains. <laughs> and then I found out that... uh he also started a new band with Jerry Cantrell, the guitar player from Alice in Chains. Oh, my God. <laughs> and, but now he's in another new band that I am blanking on the t- the name of. They, like, just announced that they were uh, with the, the former members of Every Time I Die. Oh. Yeah. So, well, that'll be interesting. Yeah. There's a, there was a huge fallout with uh, uh, Tim Buckley, the, the vocalist for Every Time I Die. I was never and a big Every Time I Die girl. I like Every Time I Die. I just, but, I don't think I've listened to them enough. But yeah, they had a huge fallout. And then I guess the band just decided to like do something with Greg Pachado instead. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's exciting. I'm not. I don't know much about the interpersonal workings, or because I'm pretty. Like, if I remember correctly, from when this fallout happened, I was on Buckley's side here because mm-hmm. I think it had a lot to do with uh, them alienating him after he got sober. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I'm gonna be a fucking separate the art from the artist ass bitch for a moment I, just because I want to be excited that Greg Pachado is in another like heavy math core I, band. I, I think it's acceptable to do that uh, with that particular. No one's going to cancel me if I listened if I listened to the new uh, to the new every time I Dillinger right. Every time I Dillinger. <laughs> yeah. Every with, time I escape. With, with new front woman J.K. Rowling. Oh God. Yeah. <laughs> Truly, oh. literally, like that would be my hell in the bad yes. place. It's just J.K. Rowling doing like math core songs that don't make sense about like right. how my gender isn't valid and it never will be yeah. because she didn't assign it to me. <laughs> anyway. Anyway. Oh, my God. <laughs> Let's uh, get into some good neighbors. Yeah. Next, next track is good neighbor. Next track. Do not expect this to slow down at all. Nope. It only gets faster, actually.
the stock like children the the stock children uh Hooray! screaming yeah yeah that like gets used in youtube videos and shit now yeah it's like a royalty free sound effect i think <laughs> So this is an interesting song. Uh, definitely uh, sure math core all the way through. I think yes. he just maintains the metal vocal all the way through. And I think the most important lyrics, I forgot to do this with the last track, but whenever we do like a very metal vocal heavy album, right. I like to like uh, explain or like at least say some of the lyrics because if you don't have a very strong ear for this, or I still don't. And we listen to a fuck ton of metal, like an I actual mean, metric fuck ton. I mean, I don't know the lyrics to any Dillinger song. No, like, but I mean, he, like I can't tell what he's saying right. unless I'm looking at the lyrics while I'm listening to it. Um, but this is kind of, I think, the gist of it. Hey there, you fucking bum! Look at what you've become. No secrets with walls. A social free for all. Yeah. This uh in that same um interview with Kerrang uh podcast, Greg says, quote, Good neighbor is another song that references just because you can doesn't mean you should, and people not understanding the ramifications of their actions. There's a lot of times people will come up to you and tell you they love your new CD and they love your record, and you know that kid probably downloaded it for free. You wouldn't come to me and tell me you love my microwave if you stole it from my apartment. I was just imagining that I had a neighbor who was telling me how rad Dillinger was, but he was actually pirating my songs off the internet. That's so funny. Right? Because that's like... I don't know, man. That kid, that kid still listened to the music. Exactly. <laughs> like, I'm sorry you didn't make... Well, in, like, in the era of streaming, this is kind of defunct. Yeah, that's true. So I'd true. be very interested to know when that interview with Kerrang! was. <laughs> I mean, probably 2009, 2010. Yeah, the, probably. When the, when the album came out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, very early in like the podcast era. Right. right. Um, and when it would have mattered. Because I imagine now that streaming is a thing. I do not think Greg probably feels the same no. exact way about this. No, it's funny because the, the name of the album, Option Paralysis... Uh, refers to an individual paralyzed by an overload of options. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Ben Wyman cited this as a general concern for the band whose members grew up in the underground scenes, but by the time the album, by the time of the album, were witnessing young people absorbed in modern technology, which they believe homogenized culture and caused an almost cultural depression. Depression. I feel like that that has almost like that aspect of it has almost like worsened. Yeah. You know, to the yeah. like because of TikTok. Well, TikTok, like just streaming in general. It's mm-hmm. like back when we were kids, you know, uh, like you were limited. Like the music you could listen to was limited to like what you could find at your local Fye right. or what you had money for or even you know what you were listening to on the radio or like even once downloading started to happen right you know it was like there were still kind of these barriers mm-hmm. right that funneled you into particular like styles of music like i feel like that's why when we were growing up people would like there would be like almost clicks with music where like your people's music tastes would revolve around one thing and it would be because like well, if I've only got, you know, $20 mm-hmm. to spend on a CD, then I'm not going to venture too far out of my comfort zone. Exactly. You know, and I feel like we've gotten this point now where music is so, like, available. Mm-hmm. It's so available that it's almost disposable. Yeah. Like, albums come and go. Yeah. You know, in like a day. And, uh, like, so much gets released every single day that 
you know you may that you might listen to like once and like forget about yeah i was um i was watching a youtube video where they were talking about this um that something like 80 percent of the songs uploaded to spotify are never played right exactly and um they've been doing a series on their twitch channel where they've been going through the like never before heard playlists that like are auto generating from these songs and doing like live reactions and i thought that would be super fun for us to do at some point it would be but yeah, no, I, I agree. Like, it's just, it's, there's too many choices. Yeah. And now with the trend cycle, like going even beyond music, like if something gets popular in like Shinjuku, Tokyo tomorrow, it's going to be here by like tomorrow evening. Right. You know, because like, it's not yeah. just like nationally, it's like internationally. The yeah. trend cycle is so much shorter and it's also so much easier to hop on board and like this kind of overconsumption. Right. I think it goes into music too. I mean, I mean that's another thing that like Ben Wyman was talking about about growing up in underground scenes. Yep. You know, it's like you know when they were growing up, especially you were kind of limited to your local area. Exactly. Like you know, what whatever, bands were there? Yeah, whatever music was popular where you were growing up. Mm-hmm. But uh, no, it's funny you brought up the TikTok thing because there was also there's a issue going on with tiktok now where apparently tiktok not tiktok i keep saying tiktok spotify spotify there's an issue going on with spotify now where there are a bunch of like fake songs on spotify that are basically made by spotify that like it'll be like the exact same song like but there's like 40 different versions of it with mm-hmm. different cover art, a different title and a different artist, but it's all the same song. Right. And um, like the theory is that like those are being made by Spotify to like pad out their playlists so yeah. they don't have to like pay artists as many royalties because most people oh listen to God. playlists on Spotify. Right. Most people oh don't listen God. to albums. That's true. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah, very sinister shit. Fuck Spotify. Yeah, um super sinister when you consider too that the um the auto-generated playlists that they were listening to were generated by Spotify. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but but anyway, let's let's move on to the next song, Gold Teeth on a Bum, which I will play on title. A uh, superior <laughs> streaming Isn't this Jay Z's music streaming service? Not anymore. He sold it to someone. Oh, I can't remember who he sold it to. But Good move, Mr. Carter. I mean, the whole thing with title is that they pay their artists more because they were originally artist owned. Exactly. I mean, it's lo- good. He did a good thing. Yeah. Jay Z got a lot of the credit for it, but it was like, it was like a, it was a lot of people. Yeah, right? it was a split partnership between like. It was like Jack White, Daft Punk, Madonna. Like it was everyone. That's right. Because I remember that, yeah, there the was that video very, that yeah, signing. The very, the very, very funny like promotional video when title launched. Yeah, and Madonna's like in just like a full like latex yeah. outfit, like with this crazy headdress, and Jack White is like in a flannel. As a matter of <laughs> fact, people might not know this. Uh, title was originally a streaming service. I can't remember if it was Daisy or Sunflower. But it started out as a streaming service created by Trent Reznor. Oh. Trent Reznor wanted to start a streaming service and then eventually uh, basically gave it to Mm Jay-Z. And then Jay-Z started Title. Gotcha. Yeah. Wow. Interesting. Or or whatever. Something like that. I know Trent Reznor was originally involved in this when it was called either Sunflower or Daisy. Anyway, Gold Teeth on a Bum. Let's go.
probably probably the most or one of the most accessible songs on the album. Definitely, definitely um, the closest to being like a radio rock. I was gonna say like in the range on this is wild. We go from like nothing but rock type music to like Nine Inch Nails, right? And then back to like truck commercial music. Yeah, we haven't we haven't gotten we haven't gotten there yet to the Nine Inch Nails, but um, I think that intro is just just a little a little bit, yeah. But yeah, no, this is a, this is a great, this is a great song. I mm-hmm. love, I love whenever someone does that. Like, I don't know what you would call that style of vocal, you know, that he's doing during the verse. Where yeah. it's it's kind of like a yell, yeah, almost because he's not singing. No, he's not. But he's also not screaming. And Trent Reznor does that at times. Oh yeah, 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 for sure. Um, we should we should find out what that's called. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's got to be a name for it. It's called Angry White Man. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Listen here, buddy. Yeah. When they're not quite yelling, but it's escalating. Right. Uh, but yeah, no, it's a it's a great it's a great song. I don't know what it's about. I do actually. Yeah. In that same interview with the Kerrang podcast, Greg says, "Quote: Gold teeth on a bum is about people having their priority in in the wrong places. People think it's a joke title, but it's actually a very literal title for a lot of meanings. I live in L.A. right now, and I've never seen such superficial people in my life that have their priorities all wrong. People who can't feed their kids are driving around in Lexuses or bums asking for change with gold teeth. And that literally happened to me. Some bum came up to me with a mouthful of legitimate gold teeth asking me for money. And it was just weird to me that this guy's asking for money, but he's got thousands of dollars worth of teeth in his mouth. All this stuff is creating this very style over substance atmosphere in everything. LA had to do with a lot of my observations on those topics because the place is just a fucking cesspool of superficiality in a lot of ways, man. Breaking news. Aging white rock star complains about Hollywood. Yeah. <laughs> shocking (laughs) i am shocked i was very very classist was that ben or greg that was greg okay yeah very um, classist of you greg well also i'm sorry i think you're a liar greg i don't think a guy walked up to you with a teeth with a mouthful of gold teeth because everybody knows that fucking dad in their 40s or 50s it's like yeah i saw this lady take 20 dollars from me and then she got in her jaguar and drove up prove it right fucking prove it i want to see I mean, it's also, it's like, in that, let, let's, let's, uh, you know, let, let, let's pretend that did happen, mm-hmm. you know, because it, it, I don't know, because he can't be talking about a grill. No, it, it, no, like, he's talking about gold teeth, and, like, he's talking about LA, so I'm assuming, like, he's talking about people near Skid Row. Right. Nobody's keeping a full set of gold full teeth in their mouth yeah. in fucking Skid Row. Nobody. Right. No, it there, is there's way no too way. harsh out there. It doesn't make any sense. No, because it's like if it is like a gold tooth, right? If it's an actual gold tooth, it's like, all right, what do you want him to do? Fucking go get the tooth ripped out of his head, right? And like sell it? No, yeah. So you I just want him to not have teeth? Yeah, Greg. I, I don't understand. I don't understand his gripe here. I don't either. Well, the I, it's funny because like the moms with the, like driving around in a Lexus while they can't afford groceries for their kids is kind of true, but I don't think in the way that he's thinking, right? Because I knew a lot of MLM moms, multi-level yeah. marketing, not men loving men. Happy Pride Month, <laughs> by the way, beloved listeners. Um, but women that were like in like Amway and like Lime Life and like Avon and all this shit, they would get to the point where they could earn the car, but then the payments were so expensive. They were right. also on fucking food stamps. Yeah. Like I knew somebody that had the pink caddy from Mary Kay yeah. and had to be on food stamps to afford f- food for her children. And I'm like... 
dude, you could be making so much more money right now. And also, (laughs) I think Greg is not taking into account that like 2010 is uh very very soon after the 2008 housing crisis exactly you know so there are a lot of freshly homeless people Uh uh-huh that that used to have homes and uh do not anymore Mm -hmm. and uh they're still just as homeless even if they still technically have some stuff yeah you know like it's kind of like when people bitch about like i saw a homeless woman on an iphone i didn't want to give my money to her and it's like Okay, you didn't want to give her your money, period. Like, let's just right. point blank, period. If you're complaining about the homeless and how you didn't want to give them money, you didn't want to from the jump. Yeah, exactly. But also, yeah, you just you just found a reason to. Not how give is them she money. supposed to get a job? Yeah. Without a phone, right? Like a lot of people that complain about this, and I wouldn't be surprised if Greg is one of them. Don't understand that it is actually functionally like impossible, right? To exist in this country without like a cell phone or without some kind of comfort, like without fucking teeth, right? Like, and also, I, how the fuck did he know they were gold? Unless, like, this specific person yeah. was, like, MC Hammer, and yeah. you knew from a fact prior to this that, I think you, I think that's when he got foreclosed on. Anyway. As a matter of fact, the more I think about it, isn't gold, like, too soft of a metal to use for teeth? I don't know. I would, I would assume it would be an alloy. Yeah. So it's not even pure gold, so it might not even be worth that it much. Can't, it can't. Anyway. Yeah. That's a that's a side. That's Boo! A side bad track. take, Greg. Bad, bad take. Bad. bad. Go back. Go to the bad take yeah. corner. Cool song though. Yeah, cool song. <laughs> Very catchy song. <laughs> I've been. It's been stuck in my head all week. I've been walking around. It's just an ordinary <laughs> tale. Right. Yeah. Very good. Um. Anyway, let's move on to crystal morning because i cannot keep a train of thought to save my life today no they're just all over the place yeah. it's like trains on a mobius strip in here today yeah i'm hoping uh, hopefully i did in fact fix the audio because it'll my ramblings will at least sound good yeah yeah you'll be able to hear me clearly yeah you'll be able to hear um the fact that my vocal cords are still not even close to recovered <laughs> yeah just every little strange syllable just crystal clear right let's speaking of crystals let's get into some crystal morning oh yeah That part right there, that's him playing notes. That's yeah. a that's what playing notes sounds like. That's that's, that's a lot of notes. Yeah, he's a, he's just doodling, do it all on all them notes. Um, but yeah, this is you know this is another one of the more straightforward mm-hmm. math core songs. It's only two minutes long. It's just real heavy, real visceral. You know, you and get that. 
that good uh greg pachato you know constantly sounds like his vocal cords are just gonna rip right out of his throat when he's screaming interestingly it's a song about the holocaust oh yeah uh greg has another kind of i don't like it this, these vibes completely quote but um the chorus particularly all the nights of broken glass drown the mm. screaming choke your breath and hide to pass the time when the wrath comes where will they turn um the broken let and they um the title of the song, um, Crystal Morning, is kind of like supposed to be a reference to um, the Kristallnacht, literally translated from German as Crystal Night, and commonly referred to as the Night of Broken Glass, yes. um, was a violent attack on Jews in Nazi Germany that took place between the 9th and 10th of December, 1938, the night before they started rounding people up and sending them to camps. Here's where our buddy Greg kind of gets into cringe to say, what's, dad territory. What's, what's, what's the bad take here? Oh, okay. Well, oh, yeah. it's not a bad take. It's just a, sir, I, it, you've only played Call of Duty. You have no idea what it was actually like for these people. Right. In an interview with Kareng, again, Greg says, this is one of the only tracks on the record that isn't that personal. It doesn't have anything to do with what we were talking about before. Crystal Night was kind of an accident that happened the night before the Holocaust in Germany. It was an incident that kind of tipped off the intense hatred of Jews in Germany in World War II. Crystal Morning is kind of like a flip case scenario to me as if like, what if their attitude would have been... What would their attitude have been if the Jewish people didn't give a fuck and would re- retaliated? Oh. So it's almost like Inglorious Bastards if it was a song, but it's interesting to me because I didn't realize that movie was coming out until after the song was written. <laughs> so that's where I was kind of like, oh, gr- uh, yeah. it, it's, it, it, it's literally the... the why like, didn't they fight back? It, it's literally the Facebook comment. I was like, well, if Germany had a Second Amendment, the Holocaust never would have happened. Literally, it's... <laughs> It's not, uh, it's not great. It's not no. a great look. Um, <laughs> he sounds like every single white boy that thought he was edgy in my world history right. class when we talked about World War II. Yeah, and, and to be fair, I, I don't think he's necessarily saying, oh, well, they should have just done no, something No, no, it's it. not that, but it's I, like, what if they had, though? Wouldn't right. that have been so crazy? And it's like, dude, I get where you're coming from, but it's kind of it's kind of disrespectful. Yeah, for sure. Because a lot of people died, and you're still sitting here being like, well, it couldn't have been me. I'm built different. <laughs> yeah. I would have fought back. Yeah. No, like, Greg, <laughs> you would not have. If I, if I was on Flight 97, I would have killed those terrorists and landed the plane safely. Exactly. Like, it's, <laughs> it's that, isn't it? It's yeah. that, like, I am a super superhero in my own mind and i like just kind of put that on historic events like i would have been inglorious bastards like sir right. no no if honestly if anybody in this band was gonna punch nazis it's absolutely ben weinman yeah like for sure i mean <laughs> i don't know i i have a feel i think i don't know much about like their like personal Mm-hmm. politics i think greg has like good politics i think so now. too i think it's, it's is... important to remember that all of this is 13 years ago yeah no the, this um podcast clip was recorded late 2010 yeah exactly so, so yeah because that was that podcast was probably since we're getting one of these for each song mm-hmm. that was probably the point of the podcast yes. was for him to do a track by track breakdown exactly which is kind of cool because it's giving us a lot of yeah. insight and like i do actually love this song as kind of like it is a little bit like waking up to realize like how much you were truly hated right. and what are you going to do with that information? Yeah. You know, that's true. It's an interesting take. It is. Uh, moving on to endless endings, endless endings, which okay. is in the middle of the album. It is. 
That is, is that track five? Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. Endless endings. song where i was like oh that boy's playing some notes on this song he is playing some notes yeah like you know typically when you're creating like a musical structure you want the notes to be like good neighbors and friends and these ones are enemies yeah this is enemies to lovers in note scaling this is very like this is what i was talking about though like, this is jazz yeah like, they are playing jazz just with like down to distorted guitars and yep. blast beats yeah like, <laughs> yeah and that like um who's the drummer on this album Oh my god! I just said uh, his name too. Yeah, you don't have to look it up. It'll, it's fine. But uh, he is doing the work with Bill, that Billy Reimer. Billy is do- that's right because this is Billy's first album. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. With them, um, yeah, Billy that double kick, uh, bass drum. She is a working. Mm-hmm. I would be very interested to know how many drum heads they went through in the process of oh recording this album. <laughs> yeah, anyway, it's insane. Uh, but endless endings, kind of a cool track. I love it. Like so. You may have noticed, like you mentioned it when I had the mics muted, but there aren't a lot of intros on this album. No, we just most, get right to the yeah, point. Yeah, most songs just fucking start. And yeah, like, like a punch in the face. Yeah, it, I love and I love it. I love how like visceral, like this album and Dillinger Escape Plan in general is. Mm-hmm. Like that's part of why I love their music so much. Yeah. It's just so immediate. Yeah. You know? It's it's like a punch of adrenaline. Yeah. Um. It's like it, I guess we're going back to the Kerrang yeah. uh, podcast, which uh, has been very helpful. Yeah, at this point, I think we can just assume that all of these are from the Kerrang podcast. Yeah, I might not read this whole thing, but I'm going to read portions of it. Endless Endings is about something that takes a really long time to fall apart. I think we all find ourselves in these situations, whether it's a relationship or a situation, and people are very reluctant to let something go. I think it's human nature. It's weird. Everyone wants to hold on to everything forever, and I think there's a beauty in something that's short-lived. We don't know enough about time to know that something short could last forever. It could stretch on forever in some way. We're all going to die. There's no difference in the grand scheme of things, whether you hold on to something for 50 years or five months. And that really resonates with me because I'm still raising my Luna moths. And, you know, one of the number one comments I get is, why do you bother working so hard to get these moths to adulthood when they just emerge and they die right and it's like well my dude in the cosmic tale of things like yeah. we kind of all emerge from our mothers yeah, why, and die very quickly like yeah, why does why, anyone do anything yeah, why does anyone do anything why do you have pets 
right? Yeah, what, what, what's, like, honestly, what's the point of even getting a dog if it's just going to die in 15 to 20 years Exactly. Anyway? And this song <laughs> is about celebrating the endless endings and the yeah. beauty of the short term and the beauty of, like, the ephemeral, intangible moment and yeah. not being kind of an emotional and physical hoarder. Right. Which is also uh, tracks very well with me because I have obsessive compulsive disorder right. and I assign emotional value to items. <laughs> so it's something I have to uh, remind myself of frequently that like just because it made me happy once if i haven't touched it in like six years it's probably time to let it go right but it is um, it's human nature to want to hold on to that yeah that's true mm-hmm. uh but yeah we are halfway through the album so Ooh, let's talk be- about the yeah, vinyl before we flip this thing over so this version i have here is uh strictly limited to 300 copies worldwide it's a newberry comics exclusive version yeah, uh, I mentioned earlier, it's one of the mo- more basic. Yeah, they put this out a ton of different ways. They did. Um. So, yeah, uh, it's just the single sleeve. It is the regular cover with just the Dillinger Escape Plan logo and option paralysis on it with, like, it's just all. It's, like, black and white, yeah. a lot of negative space. Very kind of utilitarian um, font choice. It's very yeah. much just like sign paint. Yeah, the inner sleeve has uh, more of that like kind of anatomy textbook artwork. Yeah, on it. yeah. There's several pieces of art that um the previous vocalist actually created for this album. Yeah. One's like two anatomical faces about to kiss. One's like an anatomical heart. There's a couple more surrealist pieces. Yeah, definitely check them out on our Instagram. Uh, once we get them posted. Yeah, so I do not have any of the cool versions that have, like, the die-cut covers or, you know, the different yeah. artworks and all that stuff. Like, this I is lo- the most basic version of this album that exists. Listen, I love a die-cut cover, but I'm always so terrified uh, to get out our albums that have them because, like, right. it's such a bitch getting things in and out of it. And uh, the only thing that makes this special is the uh, translucent turquoise vinyl. It is a really pretty shade of turquoise. It is. I gotta say. It looks nice. Yeah. Um... Yeah, that's it. Yeah. There's not, not there's a whole no, lot. Yeah, um, not a lot to discuss with weight. this vinyl. Yeah, I think mm-hmm, so. Mm-hmm. Uh, does it say on here? It doesn't. It, because it doesn't say, it's probably standard weight. Yeah. If it was 180 grams, they would put that on the sticker. Definitely, definitely. Um, but yeah, you know. Yeah, you know. Sometimes a simple like a packaging is, yeah. I believe I bought this. <coughs> uh, I actually bought this because... newberry comics was doing a very cool repressing of one of us is the killer by Mm -hmm. dillinger escape plan and so i was buying that and then i saw that on the website and i was like oh i'm gonna throw that in the yeah that like that's that's why i have this version that's fair of the album because i was already buying stuff from newberry comics which uh, like honestly genuinely uh if you're into vinyl like check Newberry Comics and check them frequently because definitely th- they put out exclusive versions of albums all the fucking time. And yeah. Usually, like this is a rare exception. Usually they're very cool, like crazy color combinations. Yeah. You know, they do a lot of splatters and merges and all that stuff. And uh, uh, I've never ha- I've gotten a lot of vinyl from Newberry Comics and it's all like high quality stuff. So. Yeah, I'm very excited for um, the copy of Over the Garden Walls soundtrack that I pre-ordered from them in the yeah. fall leaves. It's going to be like a translucent 
like clear with gold glitter and then Something with like, like um like drops of leafy colors that and were pressed into it. Was that not from uh Mondo? No, you're right. That was from Mondo. Yeah. Also, check out Mondo. Yeah, Mondo. Mondo's, <laughs> Mondo's Just cool. kidding. I, I know the difference between Mondo and Newberry. Yeah. <laughs> I'm Mondo. a real vinyl fan. <laughs> Mondo's cool if you want um like soundtracks and stuff. Yeah. 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 Newberry Comics sometimes gets soundtrack stuff in, but uh, it's usually the same stuff that they're selling on Mom- on Mondo. So yeah. Uh, anyway, let's move on to we finally get a like uh, a uh, a softer track. Oh on yeah. Here. This is this is Widower. of right? these fucking vocals and the range of this album as a whole um i thought igor was like the most stylistically kind of wild um album we'd done and to that point it was but uh yeah not anymore <laughs> yeah <coughs> yeah no i love that this is a great you know master of sequencing you know throw this in the middle of the album mm-hmm. it's the longest track on the album at six and a half minutes yep it's got a weird like lounge jazz interlude mm-hmm. right around here i believe hold on yeah right here 
some uh, some Ben Wyman playing some nice piano for you. Yeah, no, I. This is just, you know, this is great. This is the type of stuff that, like, that, like, when when you're discovering this as a teenager, you know, this is the type of stuff that expands your music taste. Definitely. You know, because bands like this, you know, you buy this because it's like this oh crazy metal hardcore album, and then and then you get like this weird jazz lounge music like interlude. And, you know, that might be your least favorite part of the album, but you listen to the album enough times and then you start to like it. And, mm-hmm. and then maybe you find that quality in like other songs that maybe you wouldn't have liked before. Yeah. You know, so like that, this is a great example of how like adding different styles into your music can like influence people to also expand their like personal tastes. Definitely. Um, it's um one of the best cases for listening to challenging music. Yes, I yeah, think yeah. this album in particular is. And um, Greg didn't have as much to say about this song. It was a little bit more straightforward. Um, once again on the Kerrang podcast, Greg says, "Widower is a song about somebody who makes a lot of mistakes and ruins something that's important to them, and is kind of realizing after that it's their fault. And it's not about a particular incident, but I think a lot of us have found ourselves in that situation. Yeah, I mean, it's a breakup song. It's a breakup song. Like, like, you it, fucked it's, up. It's a lot of words to say. Yeah, it's a breakup song. Yeah." You know, yeah. which which fine. Yeah, you know, everyone loves a good breakup song. Mm-hmm. There's no shortage of breakup songs, and they will never stop writing breakup I songs because not. it's it's the human experience. It is. You know, it's well. I'm like, I don't know about you. Sometimes I just I need to feel like sad. Sometimes I need to feel something. Well, and like, you know, we're never <laughs> breaking up, so like, yeah. <coughs> I might go to via that song. <coughs> <laughs> oh God, I'm choking. <laughs> <coughs> I don't know. Ugh. Oh no. Oh god, I'm dying. This is no, the end. Please, please, take please. take me to the window. I wish to say goodbye. Please 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 don't die. <laughs> You're so sexy. <laughs> <laughs> um Yeah, no. This I I love this song. Yeah. I love I love hearing I love hearing them slow it down a little bit. Definitely. Every now and then. I think it fits on the album uh, really well. Mm-hmm. Especially in between endless endings and um room full of eyes which will be the next song uh but yeah you know yeah. and again greg pachado one of the greatest vocalists yeah you know they're they're uh and it's always funny like they have these kind of like ballady songs mm-hmm. on albums and they almost never get like released as singles it's so funny. so he doesn't you, want people to know what a good singer he is well it, it's just funny to me because it's like you can't ever like accuse them of uh like doing it to broaden their audience, no, or, you know anything like that because it's like, uh, well, like, with the exception of one of us is the killer, you know they never release these as singles. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. I think it's funny. Yeah, definitely. Let's um, get into some rooms full of eyes. Yeah. As you once did for the vacuous rom, grant us eyes. So-
right, we'll, we'll, we'll end it there. I couldn't remember if there was a chorus coming up or not. Uh, it's a four. It's a four-minute song. <laughs> <laughs> My bad. <laughs> if anyone was uh, getting annoyed listening to that, so, um, I think it's a cool song though. I always love. Definitely. I love uh, uh, whenever you start a song off by just screaming over like the snare drum, like them just beating the shit out right. of the drums. It's very traditional hardcore. Very, very good, very good. Uh, starting to that track there, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I would say. Yeah. Um, um, my favorite, like, I love just like the couplet of "There's nowhere to hide in a room full of eyes." Yeah. Um, Greg actually didn't talk about this one on the podcast, so we have no further oh, information. Yeah. The only information I have on it is that it is a reference uh, after the 1995 song "One Thousand Eyes" by Death. Oh. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't really have much to say about this song. Either. Yeah. It's another, it's another good Dillinger song. Yeah. You know, they do a very specific sound and they're one of the only bands that does it and they do it very well. Yeah. Like, uh, let's just move on to Chinese whispers. Another uh, gold teeth on a bum type song, mm. I feel like. But this one sounds more, ironically, sounds closer to an Every Time I Die song. Right? Like, especially that riff, that... That that sounds very Every Time I Die. His, like, vocal delivery sounds a lot like uh, uh, Jeff Buckley. Is it Tim Buckley or Jeff Buckley? I can't remember. I have the, no idea. The, bu- <laughs> the Buckley... <laughs> The Buckley, oh, the oh, omnipresent bu- Buckley. <laughs> oh, Buckles himself there. Um, yeah, no, this is this is a great. This is a sleeper hit, a deep album sleeper hit. Definitely, definitely. You, sorry, go ahead. No, you go ahead. I was just gonna say you don't hear this song a lot. You really don't. Um, um, I got a little bit more of the butt rock, but like in a good way. Yeah, I mean that is definitely kind of a butt rocky type riff too mm. it's a very southern rock like that's kind of why i associate it with every time i die right you know yeah but it, it, it where it separates is the drums and like mm-hmm. the time signatures you know the drums are all over the fucking place on this song even if the riff they're playing is like kind of simple right. i think the drums keep it really interesting nice 
Yeah, again, I don't have any further context from Genius to add to this song. But I like that. Well, they get halfway through the album, and then uh, Greg was like, "You know what? I don't feel like doing this podcast anymore." I hope that <laughs> I hope it's not because like he said something gross, and they're like, "You know, what? Oh, we're, yeah. not gonna, we're not going to include that part in the transcription." <laughs> um, I mean, you just yeah. When somebody vocally complains about homeless people having gold teeth, I'm right. like, you're you're not a scumbag yet in my book, but you're like on notice. Yeah, I'm concerned. <laughs> you're on probation. My ears, like you know, when cats like target sighted and locked, like yeah. my ears are doing that thing. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you're on fucking thin ice, Greg. Right. <laughs> oh man, I know one of these songs had a really good guitar solo. I think it was this one. I'm not going to waste a bunch of time seeking through the song to find it. It's either, if it's not on this one, it's going to be about a minute and a half into the next track. I would if you didn't. Yeah. that's Why a minute and a half? That's very specific. Because I, I was trekking along with it when we were w- listening to the album the other night. And I was trying oh. to like, make mental notes. I should have actually taken notes. That would have yeah. made me a good podcast host. Yeah, if I was smart. I took notes <coughs> for our very first episode and then never took notes ever again. I really should start doing that. Yeah. That would probably make this show better, huh? Yeah. Maybe we'd get some listeners. Anyway. (laughs) To the 12 of you listening, we love you. We're Mm -hmm. so thankful for Mm -hmm. you. Hope you're having a great day, especially if you've made it this far into the podcast. What a trooper. Just what... What I mean, unless you're a hunter, in which case you've been enjoying this the whole time. (laughs) We don't don't have a Patreon yet. So in lieu of Patreon, uh, just send me money directly to my PayPal. That'd be cool. Or buy icky treats. Yeah. That, that's that's also... You'll get nothing in return. No. <laughs> the deal is, well, I get money, you get nothing. <laughs> or, you give treats, icky gets treats, you get excited butt wiggles. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. Anyway, uh, <laughs> I wouldn't if you didn't. Uh, <laughs> is, the next, is the title of the next track. Let's go. Yes, Let 
happens in this part, I forget. I think this is it. No, there's still two minutes left in this song. I was wrong. It's not a guitar solo. It's a very cool, cool piano bit. Yeah, I forgot about this part entirely. Anyway, I'll, f- I'll fade it out because at this point we're just listening to the Dillinger Escape Plan. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, like honestly, uh, just go go listen to these albums yourself. Like, don't use this podcast as a substitute for listening to the album. Mm-hmm. Uh, if any of this like seems interesting to you and, uh, uh, just go listen to it. Yeah. Yeah. It's streaming on Spotify. It's available on Bandcamp. Right. It's obviously available on Tidal. Yeah. It's a pretty popular album. So honestly, you could probably just fucking go down to your local record store and find a copy of mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, this is a, you know, this is another great Dillinger song. It is. And I really like the refrain, um, suffering is love, suffering is love, suffering is love, suffering is love. And then the final refrain, suffering is not love. Oh. And it's kind of the narrator kind of, kind of coming to that realization for themselves after they've spent their whole life thinking like, you know, it's yeah. like, you know, cause love is a sacrifice, right? Love is like, right. it, that is something I kind of hate and it makes my teeth itch is people will justify staying in a horrifically bad relationship yeah. and because di- people tell them love is hard. Right. Relationships are hard. Marriage takes work. Yes. You have to like be communicative and like, you know, be an assistant like to keeping your house running or right. like not even an assistant, like a co-manager of the entire household. Yeah. This is definitely about that feeling of like being in a bad relationship, but mm-hmm. convincing yourself that yeah. it's a good relationship. Cause like even the very first, like, uh, uh like couple of lines of this song mm-hmm. is, um, years of the clock go by. How long will you wait for a sign? It seems fiction is hard to break forward out of the darkness walls of time must fall kings and queens must die and i wish i'd heard this in 2009 so i could have <laughs> yeah. dumped my shitty then boyfriend now ex crazy ex-husband right. um but I actually wish, i wish i i wish i'd heard this in 2009 so i could be like guys i heard the new dillinger escape pla- plan album that they're putting out next year <laughs> oh yeah I, f- I forgot this is from 2010 not 2009 anyway um, so the interviewer asked Greg, um, quote, a few sound bites on the album for this example of essential line suffering is love from I wouldn't if you didn't suggest emotionally abusive relationships played some part in the record's inspiration. Is that taken from personal experience? And Greg responds, the lyrics and song are very indicative of people having the nature to justify anything they do by saying I wouldn't have done this terrible reprehensible yes. thing if you hadn't done that. And then the other person is like, yeah, well, I only did that because you did this it becomes this pissing match it's a blame cycle that you can't get out of and you're both losing the relationship is losing no one is winning it feeds into the whole codependency mentality that people get into it's a Mm. misconception that suffering equates to love in christianity they teach god love the world because he sacrificed his son or something stupid like that (laughs) mom that's a quote mom that's a quote whatever dumb bullshit those christians believe (laughs) i don't fucking know i didn't read the book (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, no, like having been stuck in that loop for a very long time and also yeah. like the internalized side of it of, well, they wouldn't have done that if I hadn't. Right. 
You know, it becomes this very toxic thing to internalize. Yeah, I wouldn't have cheated on you if you weren't so mean to me. Right, or, you know, in case of my primary childhood bully who will go unnamed, um, you know, I wouldn't wouldn't have said you were fat and ugly if you weren't so fucking fat and ugly. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Yeah, what are you going to do about that? I mean, all right. Oh, my God. And that honestly uh, leads us very nicely. Again, Dillinger. Dillinger. Always, always masters of sequencing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, is this our closer track? Or yes, this... I, that leads very well into the closer track, Parasitic Twins. Hell, yeah. Let's... yeah talking about codependency and whatnot. Hell, yeah. Uh, Toxic relationships, yeah. which I think I I went down to Google or like a, a wiki rabbit hole about like parasitic twins and conjoined twins and parasitic twins are actually the most common type of conjoined twin which makes sense because it's kind of easier to see how that would happen Mm -hmm. but um yeah you know yeah let's do it today you learned Uh, you're welcome (laughs) final track parasitic twins let's go ever wonder what it would be like if mike Patton sang for nine inch nails yes all the time i'm so glad we finally have an answer to this burning question oh my god it's so good oh actually i shouldn't have talked over that because i just i just talked over like the best one of the best vocal parts That is so Mike Patton. That mm-hmm. vo- that vocal delivery is so insanely like that. Might as well be a Faith No More song. Yeah, it's very good. Um, I love this as a closer. I always love a good Nine Inch Nails homage. Definitely, which is like it's so obvious. That's what like Dillinger is. Uh, you know, they're they're very known to be big Nine Inch Nails heads. Definitely, know? um. This feels very much like Animal from Nine Inch Nails without it being a direct, yeah. like, one-to-one. It feels to me, like, I think the closest song I would probably compare this to is, like, The Wretched off, yeah. of, off of the album The Fragile. Mm-hmm. Um, but, in, I mean, this could be any number of Nine Inch Nails songs. Yeah. Really. <laughs> like, honestly, Trent Reznor is another man who uh, 
has a pretty singular vision. He does. You know, he has a very specific sound, and he does that sound very well. Um, <coughs> to the point where it's almost identifiable when he uh, does someone else's stuff. Yeah, like that Halsey album yeah. that we loved and nobody else listened to. Yeah, and I'm I know. So fucking upset. Or or when uh, or when the new Fever Ray album came out, and yeah. I was like, oh, this one song is like my favorite song, and then I found out that it was produced by Trent Reznor and Atticus yeah, Ross. Yeah, it's like, oh, that. Th- um, yeah. There it is. Um, yeah, no, I, it's a great closer, you know. Yeah, yeah I was originally I was originally supposed to see Nine Inch Nails or uh, Dillinger open for Nine Inch Nails. Oh wow, um, that would have been a hell of a show. Yeah, we got there late though. Yeah, so we missed Dillinger. I was very, very bummed about that because that is likely the only opportunity I'll ever get to see Dillinger Escape Plan. Why were you late? Because because I don't I don't know. I was with my dad. <laughs> You made us late. I don't. I don't remember why. <laughs> I'm sorry. I wasn't trying to be mean. It's just you're, you. I've always known you to be such a punctual person. I know. <laughs> that I, explains that you were not driving. No, I think I was driving, but um, I I can't remember why we like left late or whatever. And then it took forever to get through the fucking parking lot, and mm-hmm. it was in Asheville, I think. Mm-hmm. It was either in Asheville or Atlanta. Uh, I got the tickets for like 13 bucks. Oh, wow. Because um, uh, whichever place it was, like every once in a while, I got Slipknot tickets for the same exact place for 13 bucks once too because like they'll just do these Friday the 13th promotions Well, they'll sell lawn seats for $13 on Friday, on Friday the 13th. So I just remember seeing that and calling my dad and be like, Dad, do you want to go see Nine Inch Nails in Soundgarden? <laughs> And your dad still <coughs> talks about that show a lot. Yeah, well, because it was also the final, uh, it was like the final Soundgarden tour before mm-hmm. Chris Cornell died. Yeah. So we got to see Chris Cornell right before he died, uh, co-headlining with Nine Inch Nails. It was fucking sick. <laughs> even if we do, even if we did miss Dillinger, it's still one of the like coolest yeah. shows I've been to. I think that's awesome. You know, uh, a bunch of storm clouds started rolling in right when um, Soundgarden was playing Black Hole Sun. Like, it was very cool. Anyway. <laughs> Getting back to the album, um, yeah. do you have a worst track, and do you have a best track? Uh, I mean, best track, it's like, I don't know. I don't want to say Farewell Mona Lisa because that's such a cliche. Mm-hmm. But, like, honestly, without the song Farewell Mona Lisa, I don't know if I'd be into any of this type right. of, like, so crazy-ass like, math core it's shit. It's important and, in your history with this yeah. band. I think I'm honestly kind of between Widower and Roomful of Eyes. I like both of those tracks mm-hmm. a lot. I don't really think I have a worst. Uh, um, I'll go with Crystal Morning for the worst track, just just for fun. Just yeah, you know, yeah. I, if I was if like you know, knowing the additional context behind yeah. it, it would either be that one or um, Gold Teeth on a Bum. Right. You know, I, 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 I don't love the, you know I, I don't like calling homeless people bums. Yeah, Gold Teeth on a Bum is too good of a song for me to call it the worst track. <laughs> Yeah, that's fair. I I sing that chorus to myself way too much for me to be like, actually, I don't like that song. But no, I mean, Crystal Morning is like, uh, we've already got Good Neighbor and Endless Endings, and Crystal Morning is the one with like the weird take. So it's like, mm-hmm. oh, just fucking who cares? Yeah, because like the whole concept top to bottoms kind of yeah. the whole like, what if the Jews have right. rebelled? Like, ugh, we've that already, making we've already the point got, you think you're making. We've already got <laughs> other like super crazy fast math core songs on this album. So right, if I'm gonna cut one, it's gonna be that one. So we liked this album. Let's get into the thoughts oh, of somebody. Yeah. Oh, did you not look that up? No, yet? I did. I I just forgot to like. 
have it pulled up. Yeah, I yeah. had some screenshots because I, I went through Rate Your Music. Not <coughs> not a ton of like negative reviews that I could find. Um, most of them are like Z3 Lasher here that said... and. Th- I had to go to Rate Your Music to find negative reviews because Rate Your Music has been around a lot longer right. than Album of the Year has. So you have reviews from when the album came out. Right. But no one gives this album a negative review in retrospect. Right. You know, no one who listens to this album now is like, Option Paralysis is a terrible album because <coughs> anyone who doesn't like... <coughs> Anyone who doesn't like this type of music isn't, like, coming across this album. Right. You know? So, anyway. Um, <clears throat> most of the negative reviews are from uh, people like Z Lasher here uh, from March 28, 2010, who said, All right, that's it. They've got nothing new or exciting here. Actually, I think they just need the money now. On the other hand, I understand that bands like these don't want to pump out the same formula every album and evolve musically. And to evolve musically will eventually change your fan base. Uh, if you as a fan want something else, look, f- uh, then look for another band. Dillinger Escape Plan will always, will forever be an excellent mathcore band with calculating infinity. I am also a big fan of Miss Machine. So this person likes the first Dillinger album and kind of the second album. And that's yeah. It. You know, um, uh, let's see. I didn't. Was he saying they changed too much or they didn't change enough? They didn't change enough. Okay. Yeah. Okay. He's basically saying that like they're do they're just doing the same thing. And a lot of the reviews were basically saying like, oh, this is just a rehash of Ironworks, the album before it. Was there a lot of piano on Ironworks? Uh, a good bit. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um I think it has I think it's largely to do with I didn't bring this up when I was reading the Wikipedia article, uh, but I think it largely has to do with uh, Dillinger leaving Relapse Records. Gotcha. After, because they put out Ironworks, that was their last album on Relapse Records, and then they went independent. They formed Party Smasher Inc., which is an imprint of Season of Mist. Gotcha. Uh, record label. And so basically, they had like full creative control mm-hmm. over this album. Right. And also, they own, like mm-hmm. anything they re- release under Party Smasher is theirs they right. like, they own it personally so i think part of this sounding too much like ironworks is maybe because relapse records owns ironworks yeah and they uh, wanted to have something that felt similar but was completely right. theirs yeah exactly without having to do what taylor swift's currently doing yeah. and doing like like taylor's versions of the tracks mm-hmm. uh uh perrin x gave it two and a half stars March 24, 2010 and said, until they refuse to drop the alt-metal movements in their songs, I will refuse to give them more than three stars. When the Dillinger Escape Plan are spazzing out, like on songs like Good Neighbor and Endless Endings, they're unstoppable. And to that person, I refer you back to the other person that said, just go listen to a different mathcore band. Yeah. Like the whole, like, I think what makes Dillinger such an interesting band and like such an enduring and influential band is those like alt metal more accessible passages in their songs because it it breaks up the songs it breaks up the albums and gives you some breathing room it gives you a nice hook to latch on to yeah and it um it allows them to play with like the structure a lot more because i feel like when you listen to a mathcore album that's just straight mathcore a lot of it will tend to blend together yeah well because it sounds like math yeah well as dillinger 
it's like easy to remember which songs are which because yeah. they because ha- a lot of them have these big bombastic alt metal choruses, and uh, you know that review came out in 2010, and I feel like history has kind of proven Dillinger right because mm-hmm. now, like basically every mathcore band does this right now. You right. know, the best example is probably the Callous Dow Boys. Mm-hmm. They sound a lot like classic dillinger escape plan true um you know you also have pupil slicer their new album has a lot of these like alt metal metal core like passages to it you know you got bands like death goals right who started experimenting with that on their new album as well like you know i feel like to say like oh dillinger should just skip these alt metal passages is to say that like they shouldn't be they, they they should just be a different band right like because I, just, I, I feel like that's the defining factor yeah. of dillinger escape plan and it's kind of just i i knew that this album in particular was going to kind of yeah. have a split down they changed too much they didn't change enough because right. it's it's it always comes back to this it always comes back to the fucking star wars fandom like i want to feel the magic but in a completely different way than i felt before but if it's too completely different then i won't feel the way i did before and right. then i'll think it's shit i'll think exactly. the new one is shit it's just, it's an example of people not knowing what they want. Yeah. You know? It's human nature. Uh, and I have these two reviews to read back to back because I thought they were very funny. Yeah. Um, people are saying this is better than Ironworks, but in my opinion, it is far worse. <laughs> well, <laughs> is that it? Was that the whole review? <laughs> no, I mean, there's more to that, but that was from Ashep uh, 13, March 15th, 2010. From Ketchup, uh, March 15th, 2010. Well, it is about twice as good as Ironworks, but it's still something I hope to never hear again. Oh, my God. <laughs> this is either far worse than Ironworks or twice as good as Ironworks, uh, one way or the other. Yep. Um, Every, I mean, when you put it on a broad scale, everything is either worse than Ironworks or better than Ironworks. That's true. It's I, kind I, of like everything in the universe is a potato right. or is not a potato. I only listen to music uh, in relation to how... Or, or how, I judge music based on how good it is in relation to Ironworks by the Dillinger Escape Plan. Right? <laughs> That's my like universal yeah. theory of music. But, uh... Yeah, that'll do it. That'll yeah, do it for the some, album. Let's plug some socials. Yeah, don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at MBF Records Pod. Uh, you can follow me at Frequency Shifts. <coughs> I'm gonna um, choke on my lung uh, for just a second here. <coughs> Sorry, lovely folks listening at home. You can find me at Amanda Moonchild on Twitter and Instagram. My personal Instagram is Spicy Spicy's Crises. And if you want to see what's going on with the moths, check out my TikTok at Amanda Moonchild. So what album are we doing next week, baby? Next week we are doing Death Is This Communion by High on Fire. Let's go. Let's go. Getting some good stoner metal in. We've been talking a lot about High on Fire lately. Let's listen to some High on Fire. Absolutely. And we will see y'all next week. Bye.